to Philippians chapter number 3. And I'm going to start reading with verse number 7. Philippians 3 and verse 7. Paul says, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And, and Paul had some significant things he lost, but but he's, he's demonstrating his attitude here is not one of resentment or bitterness because he lost it for the sake of Christ. In fact, he says it, I, I lost all those things and I, I, I count them but dung. I, I'm, not, I'm not putting a value on them because I want to win Christ. It's a, it's a challenge when we lose things but we keep a value on them because as we keep a value on them, they hold us back from winning Christ. Verse number 9, And be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him, and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings. We all love to know Him in the power of His resurrection, but Paul understood there was a balance to knowing Jesus. And so he says, I, I want to know Him in the power of His resurrection, but I also want to know Him in the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Now it's really these next three verses that I want to focus on, but I wanted to read those other verses as some context. Verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let me read a couple of other translations here, if you would permit me to. The Amplified says it this way, Not that I have attained this ideal, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of, to grasp, and make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. 
I press on toward the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward. The easy-to-read version says it this way, verse 12. I don't mean that I am exactly what God wants me to be. I have not yet reached that goal, but I continue trying to reach it and make it mine. That's what Christ Jesus wants me to do. It is the reason He made me His. Brothers and sisters, I know that I still have a long way to go, but there is one thing I do. I forget what is in the past, and I try as hard as I can to reach the goal before me. I keep running hard toward the finish line to get the prize that is mine because God has called me through Christ Jesus to life up there in heaven. One more, I know I've read several, but one more in the Message Bible says it this way. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made, but I am well on my way reaching out for Christ who, was, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong, by no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Go back to the King James Version, verse 12 says, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. And listen to what he says at, at the end of this verse that I may apprehend, that I may get a hold of that for which I was apprehended or that for which God got a hold of me. It, it goes without saying. Our, 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 I, I think our first, our first purpose here is to be saved. I don't know about you, but I want to go to heaven. I do not want to go to hell. And so salvation... Being saved is, is the number one purpose of, of, of why we are here. But that, that ought to be just not secondary in the sense of importance, but I guess let me say it this way. That ought to be a given. The fact that we are wanting to get to heaven, the fact that we are striving to do what is necessary to get to heaven, that, that's a given. We, we, we can just sort of, I don't mean this in a negative way, but we can just take that for granted. That's, that's the fundamental part of why we are here, is to be saved. So that being said, God has a purpose that every one of us was apprehended for. You were not just apprehended to be saved, you were apprehended for a purpose. If we go to Acts 26... Paul gives us uh, in his in his uh, his uh, speech, if you will, I guess, before King Agrippa. He is he has been arrested, and now he's before King Agrippa. Paul gives us in a couple of verses a a snapshot of what he was apprehended for. For I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. This is, and if you've got a Bible open, it's red letters. This is the Lord speaking 
And and it clearly said he clearly says, Here is why I have appeared to you. Here is the purpose. And he tells Paul to make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of the things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. So I wanted to read that because I wanted you to hear that summary of what Paul, when Paul says, I am, I am wanting to apprehend the thing that I was apprehended for. That's where Paul tells us what he was apprehended for. This is the thing that he is striving for. This is the thing that he is reaching for. I want you to, I want you to, let me, let me just, I'll just go to the message Bible for time's sake. I, I, I want you to hear a couple of things again. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have it made. But I am well on my way. Reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means. Listen, I know it's the message Bible here. Or the messy Bible as some would say. But listen to the way it says this next part. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this. By no means. Or, or, or let's go back to the King James I, I count not myself to have apprehended. I, I don't have this all together. I haven't achieved the thing that I was apprehended for. Now, I, I, want, you to, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. You know, there's, there's things that uh, anybody can say things, certain, or anybody can say anything, any... Any uh, preacher, any any preacher can preach on a subject. Uh, uh, you know, I, and I could I could I could talk to you tonight about loss and about grieving, and and we all have things that that are lost that we have lost, whether it's a a loved one or a friend or or something else, a lost dream or goal or ambition, whatever. And so we've suffered loss and. And, and we've gone through grieving and, and, and I could I could share that with you this evening and I've got the things that I've been through that are lost. But there are some people that if I if I had them talking to you this evening about loss, you, you would listen probably a little more intently. I, I don't one of the one of the names as I was thinking about this today, one of the names that just quickly comes to mind is is uh, is is Sister uh, Luann Richards or the Trader family. You, you want to talk about some people that can talk about loss. They can talk about loss. And so when when uh, I do not believe that I have to go through or have done everything uh, a person sitting in the in the seats has done to be able to minister to them. Thank God. But but again, there there's something about your experiences and being able to communicate some things from your experience 
that causes people to, to be a little more intent. And so I, I say all that because I, I want you to hear the, the, uh, the time frame in which the Apostle Paul wrote these words. Now, uh, if, if you, you know the New Testament all, uh, you know it's Genesis, excuse me, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then we go into Romans and Corinthians and Galatians and Ephesians. Those are not chronological. Those are not the order in which Paul wrote those letters. Romans was not the first epistle that Paul ever wrote. And if you research this online, if you Google it, you, you, you'll find the, some slight variations um, uh, of opinion as to some of the sequence or the exact order. But the bottom line is, let me just give you a little bit of context of time frame and also Philippians when it was written. Paul's first missionary journey, and I'll understand these are these are estimates as well. They're not they're not exact numbers. That's why any of this, if you were to Google it or search it, you probably uh, will find a few different numbers or or um, not the exact numbers. So understand that all of these are are estimates. These numbers. Paul's first missionary journey was around A.D. 45. The first epistle that Paul wrote was around A.D. 52. He then had two more missionary journeys. And then, so Philippians is somewhere give or take, depending what you read, somewhere around the 8th epistle that Paul wrote. One sequence that I came across was Galatians, and then 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, then 1st and 2nd Corinthians, then Romans, then Ephesians, then Philippians. So, the bottom line is this, Philippians was not written near the beginning of Paul's letters. I mean, Galatians, Thessalonians, Corinthians. Take those three, uh, which Thessalonians and Corinthians, as you know, most, most of you know, those are two letters. So it's Galatians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. Take, take those five epistles. Even if Philippians was next, which I saw other timelines that put it further than eight. If, in fact, just, just those five epistles were written, there, there is some mind-blowing things in those five epistles. There are some essential principles to our walk with God that we use to live by. There are some revelatory things in those five. It, let, let, let's add in Ephesians. That if in fact Ephesians was, it's in Ephesians where we get the, the revelation of the armor of God. 
So, all of that, three missionary journeys, seven or so epistles, written before these words. Philippians was thought to be written somewhere around 61 A.D. So again, around 45 A.D., Paul goes on his first missionary journey. Around A.D. 52, Paul um, writes his first epistle. Not sure if you can see the dog who just walked up nearby me. So if you can't, he's right there. Back to the point here. First Epistle, eighty fifty-two. Three missionary, three missionary journeys before Paul writes Philippians around AD sixty-one, and then Paul was martyred around AD sixty-four. So I, I want you to get this. First missionary journey, AD forty-five. Philippians is, is uh, I think that's, uh, what is that, 16, 17 years later? Plus two other missionary journeys in there. Huh. He's three years, approximately three years from the end of his life when he writes these words in Philippians. So I know we've already read them, and I'm not going to reread all these translations, but I, I want you to think of what Paul is saying in the context of the fact he had not just started his ministry. When, when Paul says, I'll just go back to the King James. When, when Paul says, it's not as though I have already attained. It's not as though I'm already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend for which also I am apprehended. I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting the things which are behind, I press, I reach for the mark. I'm sorry, i got to at least amplify. I want you to hear these words that Paul is saying at this season of his life. He's not a novice. He's not a beginner. He, he hasn't just been converted. This isn't right after his road to Damascus experience. This is decades. Not that I have now attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold of, to grasp and make my own that for which Christ Jesus the Messiah has laid hold of me and made me His own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet. Are you kidding me, Paul? You, you, three missionary journeys, many, many epistles that you wrote that are now such key parts of our walk with God. And you're saying, I, I haven't even captured it yet. Haven't even gotten there yet. I'm not perfect yet. He says, I'm this one thing I do. If I'm not mistaken, 
Paul, this was written, so if it was written around A.D. 61, I believe Paul would have been in his 60s. And he says that at, at that age, this one thing I do, forgetting what is what forgetting what is behind. I don't know if I'll get there or not. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit bogged down more than I thought I would this evening. I haven't even quite scratched the surface. <laughs> that, that forgetting, I think a lot of times, I, I know at the times I've used that verse when I was preaching or teaching, we, we often talk about forgetting what is behind in the context of the negative things. I need to forget the negative things that are behind and press towards the mark. I, I don't need to let the failures and disappointments and the mess-ups of my past hold me back, so I need to forget what is behind. But the other side of the coin works just as much. At this point in time, Paul could have simply said, you know what, man, when I think back to where I've been and what I've done and the things that I've suffered and, and, the, and the, the challenging circumstances that I have survived that God has brought me through. When, when I think about all of, when I think about all of the great things I've, I've, that God has done through me, when I think about all the accomplishments God has done in my life, I, I can just take it easy for the remainder of my life. Let me just put it on cruise control here and just kind of coast in. No. When I forget what is behind, I'm not just forgetting the bad, I'm also forgetting the good. Because if I continue to focus on the good, I may lose my hunger. That, that I, I haven't achieved it yet. I haven't reached it yet. I, I haven't apprehended that for which I was apprehended. I, I, if, if, if I was my dad, I would know this to the day, uh, and I, I just I don't quite have the memory he has. Um, so I, I I can't remember. I preached my first message, official message. I was 16 or 18. I think I was 18, but it may have been 16. I think there may have been a kind of a ministers and training deal that was going on at the time that I was 16, and I think I may have preached. Uh, a, a very short message then. Um, actually, like somewhere in between that time, the first time I ever preached someplace else, um, I, I think was around that time. But I, I know, I know it was no later than 18. So that means I am at 30 years of preaching the gospel. And I have to tell you, if this is the pinnacle of what there is for me, and, and I and I don't mean that by uh, by the I don't mean that by um, by the the venue. I don't mean that by the size of the crowd. I mean that by the depth of ministry, by the revelations that there are to be preached and taught. If that's just simply spending the rest of my life ministering to Antioch Central, that, that I'm not talking about the the place or the, the the crowd, the size. I'm not talking about that. If this was all I was apprehended for, I'm I'm thankful, but I'm going to tell you, I think there's a bit of disappointment if this is all there is. I, I'm just me. I'm just little old me. Paul 
Paul, go again, I, I wasn't trying to just give you uh, trivial information with the timeline of Paul's life. I, I wanted you to hopefully get that context of the point at which Paul was saying that. I've been around young men and young women that were full of passion and zeal and hunger. We've got some part of Antioch Central. We've got some youth and some young adults that have a hunger and a passion for God. This this guy was at at the end of his, the, the final part of his ministry and at the final part of his ministry, he's saying, I don't have it yet. I haven't gotten it yet. I, I haven't gotten a hold of what God got a hold of me for. And so this one thing I do, Barnes Note says this, Paul had one great aim and purpose of life. He did not attempt to mingle the world and religion and to gain both. Oh my, that would be an easy rabbit trail to go down for a while. He did not attempt to mingle the world and religion to gain both. He did not seek to obtain wealth and salvation too, or honor here and the crown of glory hereafter. But he had one object, one aim, one great purpose of soul. To this singleness of purpose, he owed his extraordinary attainments in piety and his uncommon success as a minister. A man will accomplish little who allows his mind to be distracted by a multiplicity of objects. A Christian will accomplish nothing who has not a single great aim and purpose of soul. That purpose should be to secure the prize and to renounce everything that would be in the way to its attainment. Let us then so live that we may be able to say that there is one great object which we always have in view and that, was me- and that we mean to avoid everything which would interfere with that. The psalmist said it this way, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that, and that, singular, will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I, I, I really had not, no expectation that I would be so intense here this evening. I, I thought I would just be chatting with you. But here we are. I, I feel a challenge in my spirit this evening. I feel a challenge in my spirit for me as I, as I have studied and prepared for this evening and following this direction I felt like the Lord had given me. I, I felt a challenge for me. I, I'm thankful. We all need to be thankful. We all need to be thankful, but we don't need to be satisfied. I, I, I'm pretty sure there's probably some elders that are watching. I don't mean uh, oikos elders. I mean elders by number of years that you've lived for God and, and your level of ministry. There, there's probably some elders that are watching this evening. I, I want to I encourage you because I, I believe there's some of you, you don't want to retire. You're not looking to put it on cruise control either. You're not interested in just coasting the rest of the way. 
but you still got that passion. Just I, I, I encourage you that Paul was in a similar season of life as you are. He was, he was again, 61, approximately 61 A.D. He writes these words, and three years later, he's martyred. I mean, no offense, he... By this point in time, by the time he wrote Philippians, he should have been sitting in the old folks' home, just sitting there welcoming all kinds of visitors coming in and just sharing all of the great stories and accomplishments of the past. But yet he says, there is one thing. I've got this one thing that is driving me and I am pressing. you got to get that word press. I, 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 it's in 2020... Oh, if there's ever been a time where we don't want to press, it's 2020. You, you can. I, I thought this was the case years and several years ago. Boy, is it ever more the case now? You, you can, you can, you can almost, uh, with the exception of going to work, and some of you have a, a job where you, uh, you, you work from home. You, you have your, you do everything online, and and and. Even non-COVID-19 times, you can work from home. You can, you can live nowadays without ever having to leave home. Because now it's not just pizza delivery. You can get DoorDash and, 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 and many restaurants, many sit-down, nice sit-down restaurants. You can order food and have it delivered to your house. You can... You can order your, your, your groceries online and have them delivered. You can, you, can order, um, you can order household products online and have them delivered. You can have your dry cleaning picked up at your house. And, of course, if you're just going to be at home all the time, I guess you don't need dry cleaning. And it's all about convenience. It's, 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 if, we, if we need some kind of service or or, or we want something and we call one place and, and, and they're not going to do it quick enough, then, then we're on the phone trying to find the next place. If, if it's the middle of summer and the air conditioning goes out and you, you call someplace for a repair, and I'll, you know, I'm sorry, I'm backed up, I can't get to you until next week, then, okay, thank you very much, you're on to the next one. Paul said, I, I press. And as... Barnes notes said that I just read part of the reason Paul achieved what he achieved is because he had that singleness of his focus and he had that desire to press, to push. It wasn't just a matter of, well, I'll, I'll just take whatever comes easily. I'll just, I'll just take whatever's simple for me to do. I'll, I'll take whatever level of spiritual growth I can achieve without having to press. I'll take whatever level of ministry success I can get without having to press. Oh, that! not here to say God won't do some things through you. I'm not here to say that God won't use you. But I'm going to tell you, you will never achieve what Paul was talking about. You will never fully apprehend what you were apprehended for if it doesn't become the single focus and drive of your life. So, Brother Wright, i, I got to go to work. I have a career. Yes, 
I, I get that. But there's a big difference between doing those things as the means to an end versus doing those things because that's your purpose. That's what your life is about. Talking to some people tonight that your, your job is not about your worth and your value. Your, your job and what you do for a living is not because that's where you get your joy and contentment. I know there's some folks that more than likely you're listening right now and, and, and you do what you do for income, but your passion, your drive, your burden is apprehending the thing that God apprehended you for. I tell you young people and you young adults this evening, hopefully some of you are watching, if you don't get the kind of attitude and drive that Paul had you will never achieve the level, forgive me for using this word, but it's the simplest that comes to mind. You'll never achieve the level of success that God really has for you. If you're trying to pursue your career and pursue your education and pursue a family and pursue your house and pursue cars and pursue clothes. You say we shouldn't have all those things, do all those things, Brother Wright? Absolutely not. I got a bachelor's degree. I got encouraged my kids to get degrees. If you can go to school and get an education, do it. But, but again, there's a big difference between that being the focus of, of what you're doing because that's where you're striving to get your purpose and fulfillment versus doing that because that's what you need to do. It's easy to talk the talk on a Sunday night when we have... Just had a powerful Sunday night service and God has moved and God has spoken to us and we find ourselves in the altar. Oh God, use me. This is but what happens on Monday. Are you pressing? Again, notice that word press. That word press implies a struggle. That word press implies conflict. That word press implies opposition. Sometimes that's spiritual opposition. Sometimes that's the devil who's warring and fighting against you. But there's also another thing you've got to fight again, and that's just simply your flesh. I press. How easy. Eight epistles. Three missionary journeys. How easy would it have been for Paul at this point to say, you know, look at my resume. Look at my spiritual resume. Look at all that I have done. Look at all that God has done. I mean, if Paul would have stopped at that point, not have written Philippians and the rest of the epistles he wrote, wow. I mean, again, Corinthians, Thessalonians, Galatians, Ephesians and Romans. I mean, come on. That's, wow. After all of that, he was still pressing. After all of that, I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm going to forget, again, the negatives, the disappointments. I'm, I, some of us have to, the context of that is, I, I know the struggles. I know the failures of yesterday. I, I know that yesterday I tried to pursue some things and I didn't quite get there. And so the enemy comes along and says, what makes you think that you're going to get there this time? And so I've got to forget what is behind I gotta press. 
As I've already said, I've got to forget the successes, the mountaintop experiences, the things that God has already done because I don't want to get satisfied and content and decide, you know what, this, this is it. I've made it. This is good enough. I want to keep pressing. I want to keep pushing. I want to keep striving. I was apprehended for something and I want to go after what I was apprehended for. I'm going to skip a few things I've got in my notes here. Maybe the Lord will let me come back to this at some point. Or maybe it will be a thought for the day here in a couple of days. Who knows? But, but, but I, I, I want to I I sort of close with this. I used these verses several weeks ago. I think on a Thursday evening, if I'm not mistaken. It may have been a Sunday but 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 10, here we are, Paul's writings. 1 Corinthians 3.10 According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Let every man take heed how he builds on that foundation. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, now watch these next two verses. Now if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest you, you, you get I'm sure but I'll just state the obvious the context here of you, you've got two categories here gold, silver, precious stone then you've got wood, hay and stubble it, it's, it's contrasting the cost it's contrasting the, the value it's, it's contrasting the uh, the longevity, the, the building of gold, silver, and precious stones is something that's going to last. It, it can survive the weather. It can survive the storm. It can survive the fire. But wood, hay, and stubble gets consumed. So if you know, I, I, I like to do stuff around the house. I've, I've built a lot of stuff through the years in, in, in my house. But a lot of times when we go to Home Depot, there's the nice wood. And then there's the cheaper wood. And the budget usually leads us to the cheaper wood. So Paul's saying you got, you got these valuable, expensive, but durable materials. And then you've got what's cheap, doesn't cost you hardly anything, but it's also not very reliable. And, and then he says every man's work is going to be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. So the fire is going to test every man's work. And again, the context of those two categories is gold, silver, and precious stones are not destroyed by the fire. In fact, we know that gold is actually refined and purified. It becomes more valuable after the fire. But wood, hay, and stubble are consumed by the fire. And so he says there's coming a point that every man's work is going to be made manifest 
And the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire. Now watch this. Watch this. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. The fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And I think I cut my notes off too soon. So forgive me for a moment as I look up this passage. Verse 14. If a man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If a man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. I, I want you to notice something here, and I'm almost done. There is a difference between salvation and rewards. I think too many times we think that salvation and rewards, or we really don't even think about rewards because of some of the implication of what rewards it says to us. Reward is what you get, you earn it, you deserve a reward. Salvation is free. Available to everyone. All you got to do is follow the steps that the Word of God gives us. And so, you know, we, we think of salvation. That's for it is. Maybe one day I'll get to dig into this and teach it sometimes. But there's a difference between salvation and rewards. Again, watch. Watch what he says. Verse number 15. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer law. But he shall be saved. Notice the previous verse says, if their, if their work abides after the fire, he's going to receive a, a reward. But if your work is consumed because you, you use the cheap materials, you cut corners, you didn't press, you didn't strive, you didn't pursue with everything in you what you were apprehended for, it's going to be revealed. Oh, you'll be saved. Isn't that not what Paul said? You'll be saved. I'm talking about salvation. But there's not going to be a reward because you didn't press. You didn't strive. You, you, you didn't forget what was behind, good and bad, and do one thing. Press toward the mark. I, I, I've heard from different folks and I've had my own experience of the last two months. I've heard from some who you started off and man, your prayer time increased, your devotion increased, your study increased and, and, and that went on for a while and then you kind of died off some and then others of you I think it's kind of the opposite. Initially nothing really changed but then as time went on you, you found yourself maybe more prayer, more study, more time with God. Others, as I taught one night, you've just continued to steadily walk along. And 
I got a feeling that probably there's a greater number of those that you're kind of on that little bit of a lag and a lull at this point. I, 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 I want to challenge you tonight. And again, as I've said, almost every message, I think, not just about these circumstances, because there's things that the Lord has given me to share. I've taught or preached these last couple of months that are more, way more than just about COVID-19. But would you, would you, I want to encourage you maybe this evening or over the next couple of days. I want to, I want to challenge you to ponder these verses. I want you to go reread those verses in Philippians and uh, verse chapter number three and and uh, just just focus if nothing else on verses 12 uh, 13 and 14 and think of think again about where Paul was in his life when he said those things the level of achievement he had at that point I I heard my dad say in one of the recent call to war directives, and his, his level of passion and, and zeal is the same now as it was when he first started. And in fact, he said, I think it was number in, call, in directive number six, that maybe, maybe it had actually increased. That's what Paul was saying. I've, I've achieved a lot. I've had a lot of heartache and pain. I, I still, it blows, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to quit, honestly I am. It blows my mind as I really started digging into the timing of this in Paul's life. To think that Paul was saying those words three years or so before he died. Decades into his ministry major spiritual successes and accomplishments. And Paul is still saying, I haven't gotten it yet. I, I have not attained that for which I was apprehended. I, I'm not perfect yet. I'm, I'm not there yet. And so I'm pressing, I'm striving for the mark, for the prize. Father, I pray this evening for everyone watching or those God may come across this archive later. God, let us be stirred afresh and anew by your Spirit, Lord. God, I pray that the words of Paul would echo in our minds, that the same hunger and desire that Paul said that he expressed in the in, in that he had not achieved what what the goal was yet, God, that he was he had not apprehended what he was apprehended for. I pray that same attitude and spirit would be in us. That no matter what the failures of the past are, the disappointments of the past, but also no matter what the successes, no matter what achievements, we, we may have an awesome spiritual re resume of accomplishments at this point, but that we would forget all of that and continue to press towards the mark. In the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for sharing your evening 
with me again, in Jesus' name.